Hello, and welcome to Mintz's podcast, From the Edge, where attorneys at the firm talk to founders, entrepreneurs, financing sources, and other participants in the startup ecosystem. Mintz Levin's a leading national law firm helping emerging growth companies achieve success. My name is Will Perkins, and I'm co-head of our technology practice. I work with startups and innovation-driven companies. A space that attracts a lot of interest and conversation these days is podcasting. It's my pleasure, on that note, to welcome Jake Shapiro. Jake is the founder of Radio Public, a podcast-focused business, and also a pod fund, which grew out of Radio Public, and helps podcasters grow with funding, strategic advice, and services. Jake, welcome. It's a pleasure to have you here today. Happy to be here. Thanks, Will. And just to set the, the framework here, I'd like to talk to you for 15 minutes. You know, a lot of our podcasts focus on, on legal issues and legal topics. Admittedly, this one is a little bit more focused on in, in industry. But as I said earlier, podcasting is getting a lot of talk and interest with all of us at home and, and focused more on remote video and, and remote audio these days. I think it'd be great to hear from you. I know you were sort of there at the birth of podcasting and just share a little bit from your vantage point of the origins and, and the early market and history of podcasting. Yeah, for sure. So I did happen to look into being um, sort of at the founding moments of podcasting. I had been a producer uh, at WBUR in Boston on a national NPR show called The Connection with Chris Leiden. Um, which ended up landing over at the Berkman Center, where um, we were working to start a new production company in 2002. And this was sort of at the you know, early edge of Web 2.0, and like blogging was beginning to take root, and RSS as a syndication technology was powering that, and lots of excitement around how that would be the sort of uh, world of interconnected web services. Um, and Chris, who was an early audio pioneer himself, teamed up with Dave Weiner, who was like a blogging pioneer and really the inventor of that RSS spec when they were both fellows at the Berkman Center, and I was on staff at Berkman, and they jammed together that MP3 and RSS uh, file and really were part of the invention of the first wave of podcasting that summer of, uh, ultimately it was 2003 uh, when that first got started. Um, and you know we thought it was sort of a trivial hack on some of the blogging software, but the same ethos was there, which is like, let's democratize media and audio and make everyone a broadcaster. Um, which was very exciting. And it was right around that time that I um, had the opportunity to help found an organization that I became the long-running CEO of called PRX, the Public Radio Exchange. And PRX was also an early stage uh, platform for distribution of audio, in that case, a marketplace connecting local public radio stations and independent producers, uh, many of whom back in that 2003, 2004, started to also become podcasters, started directly distributing their shows out to audiences. It wasn't until 2005 that Apple decided to include it into iTunes, which was a huge moment because that really mainstreamed or began the mainstreaming of podcasting, making those files available to everyone um, uh, using iTunes. Um, but it's, you know, as, as we now know, it took another decade and more for it to start to really get some traction. In the last few years, it's grown significantly for a whole bunch of, of reasons. All along the way, PRX as a nonprofit public media company um, had a hand both in building out some of the building blocks of technology around distribution of audio, began building mobile apps when the iPhone was introduced in 2008, 2009, um, and also had a real hand in fostering talent and content and helped uh, shows like The Moth Radio Hour get started and the Radiotopia Podcast Network and distributes This American Life. So, you know, a lot of the things that were the 
kind of building blocks and pillars of both podcasting and public radio um, had its start at PRX, which had a lot of sort of innovation and R&D in the field. Oh, that's that's really interesting. Thanks for taking us back there. And I think you observed something interesting. I, I think for many of us, uh, we've known podcasting for some time, but I feel like for uh, many others, it's only something that's been sort of picked up and discovered in the past few years. Mm-hmm. But obviously to know that it goes all the way back to, to 2003, it's interesting just to watch the the evolution of that market. And maybe if I could let you comment or talk just a little bit about you know, where we are in the market today, and I guess I a dividing line in terms of uh, sort of spring 2020 around COVID. You know, the market today, radio public, mm-hmm. uh, the other apps and services in the industry, including Pod Fund. It would be just interesting to sort of set a landscape because I think ultimately people are probably interested, given time and place at which we're recording this to hear how, in your eyes, you know, COVID-19, our pandemic, our lockdown has changed the market. And then let's go to the future. Yeah. Well, I mean, part of the, the rest of the evolution of the market was really about five, six years ago, 2014, marked this inflection point where podcasting began to really grow rapidly in terms of consumption and distribution and new publishers getting in the game, in part because Apple made the podcast app a standalone app on everybody's phone but also driven by revenue because brands and advertisers started to realize there was a very interesting audience who was tuning in to listen to these audio files and they were otherwise unreachable through ads on TV or they were the ones putting pop-up ad blockers on their browsers. And so they, you know, that coincided with direct-to-consumer businesses starting and so this matchmaking of effective um, audio advertising and the growth of podcasting dovetailed and really started to power a whole new generation of the podcast marketplace. Um, and then we started to see the entry of places like Spotify and, you know, Google starting to join in on the platform side and this flywheel of new talent and publishers coming in, new revenue starting to materialize, new distribution pieces of the value chain getting built around ad tech and marketing. Um, it was within that context that we started Radio Public. We spun it out of PRX and made it a technology company that was really B2B to C, you know, helping the publishers of podcasts be more effective in reaching and growing audiences. Um, ultimately, a lot of that evolving into more of a marketing tech um, piece of the puzzle, since that still is largely missing in audio versus video and web. Um, and then the other observation, and this led to the creation of Pod Fund, was that there is this new generation of what we describe as creator-led audio-first media companies. You know, the likes of Gimlet, um, that you know was started as an audio publisher and became a really powerful creating uh, platform, and ultimately got acquired um, by Spotify. And there's like a whole new cottage industry of these studios taking shape, um, but they didn't have access to venture capital, and often they could bootstrap a bit, but didn't have ways to grow. And so Pod Fund was set up and also spun out of Radio Public as a separate vehicle to help invest in and provide early stage growth capital um, to these content creators. Um, and so that really has been two different vantage points on the sort of tech and the content and investment side into the industry. And part of what's made it you know, a powerful medium and sort of starting to take center stage alongside the giant industries of video and web publishing, um, but still relatively small in market terms, is that it's an incredibly compelling um, format. So, you know, people listen for hours and hours and they can listen while they do other things and they tend to form deep, engaged relationships with the hosts and the content they're listening to and all that turns into the kind of stickiness that both brands and platforms are interested in. 
And it's also how during this crisis, the COVID-19 segue, um, it's you know reflected its resilience. Um, podcasting is one of the few places where you know both the creation and consumption can happen um, safely, socially distanced. <laughs> you know, it's actually uh, even prior to this, it wasn't uncommon for a podcast producer to be recording at home in their closet uh, alone, uh, or for a listener to be listening on their headphones, you know, at the kitchen table while making dinner. Um, so, you know, those two angles of it has meant that despite the huge disruptions that are happening on um, podcasting as a whole has weathered this quite well. Although, of course, you know, everybody's habits change. So, you know, all the people who are commuting and had their 30-minute bus rides that timed out to listen to these shows, you know, suddenly weren't doing that anymore. So there definitely were declines in certain categories and growth in new categories. Um, but overall... It's meant that podcasting as an economy and as an attractive medium to get all these different pieces in the puzzle together um, continues to grow rapidly even during this. Oh, that that's really interesting. I, I sort of speaking uh, for myself, but I suspect many other listeners. I'm not commuting to the office, so you're right that that habit has changed. I don't have 20 minutes in the car or on the bus or in the subway to listen to a podcast, but I'm sort of walking my neighborhood a little bit more to get out of the house, uh, see a different and more distant environment, and putting on a podcast at that point. So it's that's an interesting observation. Is there publicly reported data around podcast listening? Obviously, that Spotify and the other companies would have their own data on how many minutes are being consumed. Uh, but I wondered if there's publicly available data or how one has a sense of what's happening in the they're starting to be. I mean, it's, yeah, they're starting to be. I mean, it's definitely not as measured a medium, and it's been one of the things holding it up um, is that there aren't sort of like open standards around metrics or established firms like Nielsen that would do you know you know metrics for consumption globally for all platforms. Um, but there are companies like PodTrack with a C at the end that report the top publishers and sort of downloads per month and the top podcasts. Um, and then Edison Research does regular reports on share of ear, where they really get into like you know polls about um, how different people listen and different demographics. So there's now quite a bit of a cottage industry formed around observations and analysis of the podcast industry, and enough so that like you know analysts at banks are now writing reports about the global audio industry, and you know you now get um, part of Spotify's you know quarterly uh, earnings calls where they break out their podcast numbers. So you know, in the last 18 months alone, I feel like there's a much more professional lens in on the industry indicators. Um, you know, the sort of macroeconomics of it are still that it's about a billion dollars of advertising in, uh, revenue, which is tiny as a fraction of, you know, even compared to broadcast radio. But that's not the only measure. We now see, you know, the subscription models that are taking shape. We see ancillary licensing, a major pattern is um, licensing of podcasts into film and television. So it's one of those ideas where scripted podcasts can become the kind of low, lower risk, lower cost pilot um, for the giant, you know, industry of streaming television, which is, you know, hungry for such content. So there's really interesting ways in which it's starting to cross over into other industries. Oh, that's, yeah, and that's a great uh, transition to sort of uh, my my question I put out a little earlier, but to dig into, you know, where is it all going? I think you'd suggested earlier or noted the Gimlet acquisition. I think probably many of us saw in the newspapers uh, and media these days, uh, Joe Rogan's podcast going exclusive at a, a 
reported large sum. There are definitely these sort of headline deals that we're seeing in mainstream business media, but uh, while none of us can predict the future, it'd be interesting to hear from you, someone deep in the space, you know, where, where do you sort of see it going? You know, a couple, couple of predictions maybe that we won't yeah. hold you to. Yeah, well, I mean, those those have been major moments that are um, sort of milestones along the growth of the industry. Spotify, for sure, has made the biggest moves because it's core to their strategy of breaking out beyond music um, as a way to, you know, have more margin and control over audio distribution and customers. And that's, you know, helped lead a wave of other platforms and businesses taking it more seriously, too. So there's sort of a ripple effect because in many ways, one of the unusual facts of podcasting is that there isn't a dominant platform driving monetization. Even though Apple has always been the source of much of podcast listening, still the majority of it, they never monetized. So even though they have billions of downloads going through Apple Podcasts, um, they monetize 0% of those directly or even indirectly. So there is no YouTube of podcasting. Um, there's no Netflix of podcasting. And so there are many aspirants trying to play that role. Um, and I think what we'll see as one prediction, of course, is that there'll be um, major platforms uh, battling it out for more control over the consumer experience. And fortunately or unfortunately, depending on how you look at it, uh, potentially a balkanization of podcasting where you have to go to Spotify to listen to Joe Rogan, but you might have to go to Amazon to listen to your next favorite scripted show because they'll license it exclusively. So for those of us who care about the open ecosystem and don't want to see a single dominant platform, there's some risk um, that this might get you know, uh, carved up before it's actually reached its full potential. Um, I do think that other trend of the Hollywood angle is a real one. And, um, you know, I think we'll see the film and television side of the talent pool and producers and, you know, influencers uh, starting to cross over into podcasting more significantly. There's an entire school of thought around the passion economy, which is sort of the, you know, individual creator creating their own businesses. Um, Joe Rogan as an established celebrity is kind of one example of that. Um, and the fact that he licensed his content exclusively to Spotify in the, you know, multiple hundreds of millions of dollars over many years is a high watermark for what that looks like when you do the math. But that starts to mean there could really be a middle class emerging of successful creators um, who emerge in the podcasting. And then, you know, relevant to Mints, I feel like podcasting has also become a business communications channel that's proven very effective. It's highly engaging. So rather than thinking of it only as a creative medium for publishers or journalists, um, it really functions as B2B. Um, and so similar to how blogging and then video, you know, became marketing communications, um, podcasting is now taking that role for everybody on the planet. You know, small and mid-sized and enterprise businesses have their own podcasts as brand marketing or even for internal use like onboarding and for all of us who are now working from home that's actually kind of a great you know use of the medium um, so i feel like those trends all are aligning of course another piece of it being the speakers and you know airpods and sort of audio as like a layer on the universe that's continuing to be even more accessible and interoperable so i think content created spoken word for those devices and platforms is going to increase um, so we're still in some ways in early days. It's exciting for those of us who've been trying to build pieces of this industry all along, um, but it also feels like it's up for grabs, which makes it exciting to see how it all plays out in the next coming years. No, no, that's uh, that's great. And thanks for that transition to Mints. By the way, probably a disclaimer I should have started with at the beginning of the podcast. Uh, we, we Mints have worked with you, Radio Public, Pod Fund, and uh, as legal counsel, uh, 
but uh, not asking you to hold anything back here. I, I'd love to hear your uh, critiques, thoughts, you know, best practices for our From the Edge podcast, just some tidbits for those of us who are thinking of the medium as a, a way to reach you know, existing clients, uh, potential clients, and, and others out there. Uh, probably our listeners, they're a, a, a small and perhaps loyal group on these From the Edge podcasts, but we uh, try as we might to, to push it more broadly and, and expand listenership. Probably could benefit from some insights or, or thoughts or, or recommendations if you have any to share, and they'd probably be useful to anyone else like, like us using podcasts as just a, an added piece of the, the marketing and outreach puzzle. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think a lot of it starts with, you know, understanding the goals overall, what the strategy is for a podcast, because it is hard to reach an audience and grow an audience. And certainly, like, it's hard to build a massive audience in podcasting relative to other media where it's more scannable and shareable and can go viral and so forth. And so it has to be pretty deliberate what the, you know, expected target audience and goals for the podcast are. Um, and what we find for businesses or enterprises that the sort of thought leadership and also brand marketing and kind of just familiarity with the practices of the firm is a great use of that, particularly because it opens up, you know, the personalities of who's behind the mic and what kinds of people and thinking and practices go on. So, you know, it's a fascinating way to actually get familiar with individual attorneys or uh, ways of doing things or topics that are, that are like already salient um, you know, ahead of having to actually, you know, sign on or, you know, do a engagement. You can actually get, you know, understand how the place works and how things are thinking. It's a great way to get into that space um, from afar. I also think it's a great internal talent <laughs> finder um, and, you know, putting people behind the mic. It's a sort of a latent talent. Not everybody is comfortable in the host role. You seem to be doing great, Will. I think you should sign up for more hosting duties. Um, but that, I think it's a great opportunity to actually, like, you know, showcase um, talkers and thinkers, um, give them some space to, to roam. Um, and often I find that it's, um, you know, not predictable who will be that. It might not be the most senior person in the communications team. It might be the intern or it might be the associate or the paralegal. And you should be willing to hand the mic to whoever has a appetite and demonstrate some like excitement and talent for it because podcasting succeeds largely based on you know, the hostiness, I like to call it, sort of the, you know, who you start to gravitate towards um, because of how they talk and think. Since you're only hearing that, you're not, you know, distracted by other production elements. Um, so I, I love the idea of, of giving some internal access um, for those to try out the medium and see if they find their footing and then give them the ball to let them run with it um, on the podcast front within a company. No, that's that's great. Yes, I think we're uh, we're recording here on on WebEx today, our our video platform, just in audio only mode. But obviously, I'm seeing a number of new technologies uh, on, online that perhaps make this even easier for whether it's a Mint or or other businesses to avail themselves. And it's going to be exciting to see where all that goes in the the weeks and months ahead. Yeah. We're, com we're coming to the the end of our time here, I guess uh, I don't have any closing remarks, uh, but would want to just thank you in a minute here. But I didn't know if there's anything you know, we haven't had a chance to cover that we should cover. Uh, don't want to leave any stone unturned, but obviously there's we could 
probably go on for hours on this topic. Yeah, no, I mean, I think we, we, we did a good nutshell of sort of the origins and the current market and the shape of podcasting to come. And um, for sure, I think it's something that, you know, the more you poke at it, the more intrigued um, you can become. There's so many good things to listen to. Of course, it's the paradox of choice. It's now like in a massive inventory and discovery is still kind of a broken piece of it. But I think that's improving, too. Um, and PodFund has invested in 18 or 19 different podcast studios, and it's a you know that portfolio alone is a great way to find some exciting new, especially scripted um, narrative content. And then you know we've worked on this together, but there's like interesting legal issues in podcasting because it's a medium that hasn't been tested all the way in which others are, and sometimes the rights issues, um, which are actually kind of simpler than video and music, but deceptively so, are I think interesting to plug into. Um, and now that it's kind of crossing over into these like private platforms and other distribution technologies, I think those are interesting legal issues that we've spent some time on um, in the past. So from that point of view, sort of separate from the kind of company formation side, um, I think podcasting also is a opportunity for sort of you know better exploration of the, the legal issues entailed. Oh, that's uh, well, Jake. Thanks. This has been great. Really appreciate you. Joining us here at From the Edge today, yeah, maybe we'll reserve the right to follow up in six months or a year as we watch the industry evolve. It would be kind of fun to, to look back on this one, obviously recorded at a very interesting moment in our uh, uh, business and professional and personal lives. Uh, but it was wonderful having you, and I hope all our listeners took away some valuable insights here. I, I know I did. We'll continue to evolve From the Edge. So uh, thanks, thanks once again for other interesting Mincedge podcasts. I urge uh, anyone to check us out at www.mincedge.com. Jake, thanks. This is Thank Will you. signing Great. off and uh, look forward to staying in touch.